0: Maybe the pilot should be fired. By now, you've heard the story of the Southwest Airlines pilot who allegedly, after his normal instructions, said, let's go, Brandon. And that has liberals uh, everywhere upset. As you probably know, let's go, Brandon has become a way to say bleep Joe Biden. And that makes it a political statement. There are reports now that uh, he may not have actually said, said that. But if he did, should he be fired? Well, Maybe. He should at least be subject to some discipline, maybe a suspension, not because he took a shot at the big guy, but because he made a political statement to the customers while on the job. And if he did do that, who does it remind you of? How about Colin Kaepernick? He's been blackballed by the NFL, and deservedly so, for making a political statement while on the job at a game, for which he was being paid $600,000 per game. Uh, uh, Idiots with no understanding of what the First Amendment is all about started screaming about his rights being violated. And, of course, his rights were not being violated because the government had nothing to say about it. The government wasn't preventing him from speaking. No employee has the right to insult or upset the paying customers with his political commentary. And all the liberals who were outraged by the treatment of Kaepernick are now demanding that the, uh, the pilot be fired. Southwest Airlines, these are the same people who thought that uh, Kaepernick should be not only keep his job, but teams should be breaking down his door to hire him to play quarterback. Southwest Airlines has said that it is against company policy, and they're doing an investigation to find out what the guy actually said. And listen to this from their statement. Quote, Public expression of personal opinions while on duty is unacceptable. Southwest does not tolerate any behavior that encourages divisiveness as it does not reflect the Southwest hospitality and inclusiveness for which we are known and strive to provide each day on every flight, unquote. Hey, that's what got Colin Kaepernick kicked out of the NFL, and he deserved it. Meanwhile, it's becoming apparent that the pilot may have actually said, let's go Braves instead. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Find out. And when we come back, you remember the name Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager accused of murder in Kenosha, Wisconsin, back in the summer of 2020 during the BLM riots? Well, new developments in that case. And also in our second half hour, we're going to take a look at baseball and why it's a dying sport. Stick around.
1: If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALF OFF and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALF OFF. PureTalk is simply smarter
0: Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers twelve months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from one hundred percent vinyl commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through twelve thirty-one twenty-one. All with twelve months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warrant in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com.
2: Do your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need DinoVite. that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer.
3: If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two
5: dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite.
1: You won't believe how happy your dog will be.
5: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com.
2: We love our cellular shades from Blinds.com. They're beautiful and make our entire house feel more like home.
5: Thousands of customers update their home every month with Blinds.com. Whether you just moved to a new place or just want to give your home a little love this fall, go to Blinds.com for brand new window treatments and make your house feel more like home. Blinds.com makes it easy and affordable to upgrade your whole house with the latest styles, premium materials, and even motorization with no hidden fees or misleading quotes. Not sure where to start? Get advice from a Blinds.com professional design consultant for free. Whether you want to do it yourself or have them handle the measuring and installation for you, Blinds.com has you covered with free shipping and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit. Go to Blinds.com now to shop and save up to 35% off site-wide. That's Blinds.com for up to 35% off. Blinds.com. Pay over time with PayPal credit at Blinds.com. PayPal credit is subject to credit approval. Visit Blinds.com slash PayPal for details. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: This is the John Stikerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
0: So you remember Kyle Rittenhouse? He's the teenage kid who was accused of murdering two people during the Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, Black Lives Matter riots in the summer of 2020. The charges are bogus, of course, and jury selection uh, is, uh, I guess, I think it's uh, starting tomorrow. But there's been a major development in the case. Uh, Victoria Taft of PJmedia.com has been writing about it. She has the latest and joins us now. Victoria, always good to have you on. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Always enjoy being in stagger world. <laughs>
0: so uh, what happened today with uh, it's kind of a late uh, looks to me like a late breaking development. What happened today with the defense team?
3: Well, first of all, there is. Jury selection going on today, and what's interesting is in listening to some of the answers that the potential jurors, who will number twenty, are giving, uh, is interesting. Uh, some people just absolutely hate guns. One person decided that the gun that Kyle Rittenhouse was holding that night was in fact a machine gun. So uh, I think she was on, she was summarily dropped eventually after they tried their best to plumb the depths of this woman's uh, interesting. Mentality, And uh, then what you're referring to is this week's episode in the defense team. And Robert Barnes, who's a well-known national figure and is a defense attorney, uh, not only um, he's a civil rights attorney as well as a taxation law expert. And that, of course, doesn't come into play here necessarily, except... He had um, been given the green light eight months ago to put together a team to help the jury selection in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, so that it would not turn into the Derek Chauvin case, which was a travesty of justice. I mean, no one who is a at least neutral and fair can say that that particular jury was fair and impartial. They weren't. There were a couple, at least a couple of them that went back and said, gee, you know, I, I would have thrown the book at him right away. Why would we waste one so much time? Another woman, another person said that she was afraid that if she came up with a guilty or not guilty verdict, that there would be unrest in the city. And indeed, that is what's happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, at the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, where we find out from Robert Barnes' uh, spade work on the polling and different questions asked of people in Kenosha that... Two-thirds of the people in Kenosha believe Rittenhouse to be guilty. And how you get a fair trial in that milieu is anybody's guess.
0: Yeah, um, but um, there there's other been other cases where people have, where a guy looks really guilty, and most people consider him guilty, and then he's found to be not guilty. Um, how is this different? I mean, is it, how intense is the belief as strong as the belief that this guy should just be taken to prison and left there for the rest of his life.
3: Well, there's been so much disinformation in the case that there are some people who believe that whatever Kyle Rittenhouse did last time in August of 2020, that he was doing it wrong. That, in fact, uh, he just shot in cold blood. They assume the facts that are not in evidence. And that's because the prosecutor in the case has been working for more than a year for uh, explaining to the now tainted jury pool, but Kyle Rittenhouse had other bad intentions when he went to help that night in Kenosha, Wisconsin on night three of riots by BLM and Antifa. And uh, he was there, according to Kyle, and by all available evidence, uh, simultaneous uh, and um, video and other statements by people who were there, he was there to help secure properties that had previously in the previous two nights been attacked by rioters and a former city councilman put the call out to men largely to get their guns and police come out and help secure this particular area of town from the rioters and indeed they fairly succeeded i think at doing that but in the meantime there was uh, there were three shootings and Kyle Rittenhouse was involved in all of them. Was he just some crazy 17-year-old kid with a, a gun who just came out hunting humans that night? No. Uh, best available evidence that we have, which includes eyewitness video, eyewitnesses, and what we can divine from different areas, uh, different angles of attack on the video. Uh, no. He was running for his life from some people who wanted to do him harm. And in just this, I'm not an expert. I just... I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night, uh, but I've looked at it. I've talked to individuals who are uh, use-of-force experts who say that this is the clearest cut case of self-defense they've ever seen. But you have to know what the lie is, and some people just don't get that. I mean, even the prosecutor tried to plant uh, information in the jury pool, paint the jury pool further, as reporters were watching and and uh, suggesting that a person who is armed never has the right to take out or kill someone or attack shoot someone who is uh, using another kind of a weapon. Well, and that's wh- just absurd.
0: Yeah, you know, when when <laughs> I mean, um, when picking a jury like that um, for a case like this, um, I, I'm guessing I've never been in a I've never spent time at a uh, criminal trial, but um, I'm guessing that. They are asked about their uh, knowledge of laws and uh, whether they what what they consider to be self defense. And th- do the jury, the people on the jury pool, get to see the video as they're being questioned?
3: It has been entered into evidence, though the prosecution tried hard to keep it out. So the one exculpatory. The piece of evidence that would actually exonerate the kid uh, was uh, argued to be out. And so that, in fact, let's just start there. Uh, before that video, which was allowed in by the judge, she seems to be fairly even-handed. And that is, why were there charges at all? And the reason I ask that is because when you look at the information, when you look at the video, it's clear it's self-defense. I mean, it's not even a close call. And there are three shootings. And every single one of them, people are attacking Kyle Rittenhouse, jumping him from behind, throwing objects, firing shots. One, in fact, was behind him in the first shooting to the extent that he glanced back and thought that the guy chasing him, who, by the way, had been chasing him for at least uh, half a block or so, wanted to do him harm, and then we heard a gunshot. I mean, that's just absurd. If you don't think you can justifiably defend yourself in a situation like that where a guys just thrown something at you and attempted to jump you. And there's a gunshot by another guy, by the way, from behind, then um, you don't know what it is to know what self-defense is. And indeed, I don't think that's a question that one would ask potential jurors of the trial, because I don't think most people know what self-defense requirements are. They're the essential uh, things of self-defense that one might need to know in order to determine that uh, a case is uh, legitimate self-defense. And that was uh, whether a person was innocent, whether a person was trying to get away, whether a person used proportional um, uh, force against an individual, and the third and the fourth one I forget, but. Uh, be that as it may, which means that I'm probably going to screw up if I ever I need to defend myself. <laughs> well, let's hope Let's hope to God I know what all yeah, the elements right. of self-defense are by that time. But anyway, I mean, you know, so those people aren't going to know that either, Yeah, most people, unless they're NRA teachers or something. And so there well, you
0: are. Well, this was a Black Lives Matter riot. I mean, uh, you know, they like to call it a demonstration, yeah. but it was a riot. Um, and... Um, Race obviously played a major role in the George Floyd situation, but these three people who were shot uh, were all white.
3: And Yes, they were. And so it's even harder for them to make the unchecked claim that Kyle Rittenhouse is some sort of supremacist of some sort. If one of the victims had been black, I mean, it would have been all over for him, frankly, um, but notwithstanding the fact that it was all self-defense. However, Yes, there were times and efforts by the prosecution as well as the people in the media who tried handily to, and, and in fact carried out and handily so, the reports that there was some racial element here. And the reason is, is because it started out as a police shooting, this was days and, you know, several days before, the Jacob Blake shooting in which a man who's wanted on sexually assaulting his partner and indeed had a warrant out for his arrest and was wanted on self or domestic violence, uh, had come back to revisit his wife, I believe it is, and uh, with his kids in the car, and uh, wanted to create havoc, and the cops were called because he was being violent. And so the, Jacob Blake runs back to his car with his kids in the back seat and eluding the police officers, not stopping when they said, if you just put his hands up and just... Lived, lived to fight another day, Jacob Blake. But no, what he did was he ran to the car where there was a knife, and then he did everything wrong, and later admitted it, and got shot for it. and And he's still alive. He's paralyzed and in a wheelchair. It was a terrible, terrible shooting, especially considering that it was in front of his poor children. But that doesn't make it the cops' fault necessarily. No, frankly, no. So this was the milieu against which these these riots occurred. These are riots that CNN had what, one particular uh, reporter who went in front who said it was standing in front of rioters uh, setting things on fire, saying that it was a mostly peaceful protest. Oh, is that where that I mean, happened? That was, just, that was I've seen yes. that video.
0: That was Kenosha. Okay, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. I thought that was Portland, yeah. but the, um, no, no. Now um, you, you write today about this the uh, this. Um, the issue with the the uh, attorney who who won't yeah. share what he's learned about jury selection what's going on there I mean is it uh, and it might be some there might be some sabotage going on here what's up with that
3: well he thinks that the reason that he's not being allowed to be a part of the case is because he thinks that someone else is calling the shots in the defense team of Kyle Rittenhouse and not of the, the attorney Mark Richards who's the chief Attorney in charge, Uh, he's concerned, and the reason is is because uh, Robert Barnes was asked eight months ago to come on the case. I think he uh, he probably approached them and said, "Look, don't let happen to Kyle Rittenhouse what has happened to Derek Chauvin. This was a that was a politically charged case. That was not justice. That was a travesty, and and uh, there was no fair trial in that case whatsoever, at all, at all." And so what he did was, Robert Barnes did, he started polling and found out that two-thirds of the people in the city of Kenosha, Wisconsin, believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty. We already covered that. But so he had come to town, he rented a house, he had 20 people on his team, body language experts and uh, data processing people people who were running the numbers from the extensive polling they had previously done to help with jury selection so that they didn't have duds on the jury like happened in the Derek Chauvin case. He came with a lot of ammo. So all of a sudden, earlier this week, he started getting the feeling that there was a switch in the uh, strategy strategy uh, in the, in the case. And so he's, he grew very concerned, went back, and then all of a sudden discovered that, oh, and by the way, all the people you have coming in for this case, all the, the things that you've done for this case are not going to be required. And furthermore, you will not be allowed to be in the courtroom. So Robert Barnes is going, I don't even know what to tell you. I mean, what the heck is going on here? I mean, you want the best people available. I am that best person available. I brought the A-team. I have brought... The dream team of jury selectors, and you're saying no. What? What? Well, who does that?
0: Well, so, what's what? Uh, we're talking to Victoria Taft of PJMedia.com. You can find her piece on this at uh, PJMedia.com. Um, so, I mean, what what could the what would be the other possible explanation for a guy doing this?
3: I have no idea. I think um, Barnes delved into it a little bit more. He was he was given assurances that the trust fund or the fund the defense fund that was raising money for kyle's defense was being run by kyle's mob. and he had been given assurances for low those many months why because lynn wood the disgraced attorney who previously had been his defense attorney and had disgraced himself not only in that case but in others had done a held a fundraising thing. Uh, He had a a GoFundMe or whatever the iteration it was of that raising money for it, but the money wasn't going to Kyle's family and that really bugged Barnes. He didn't like that. He thought that was a He thought that was a breach of fiduciary. And so uh, the other one was set up with Kyle's mom in charge. Well, he found out this week his mom, Kyle's mom's not in charge of that, that somebody else is in charge of it. And he apparently was one of the actors that, was involved with the first one. So Barnes went, oh, hell no. I'm out of here.
6: Wow. And
3: uh, they, they, didn't want his, they didn't want his help. He gave them all of his information, gave them all his data, gave him you know, the readouts of the polling, suggested questions, all of it. He just doesn't have all the, the people there doing the body language and that sort of thing.
0: Is the kid uh, st- in jail? He? no
3: no he's, he's been out of he's been out, he, i thought so. he was out, he's been out of uh, he's been out of jail uh two million dollars bail is what they asked for him two Gee. million dollars no people yeah the, with people getting out on no bail no uh, no bail yeah, things, right. i mean that's just pretty i mean sure, very serious crimes, obviously clearly, but I mean it is kind of unusual
0: and this is going to go on for a while you you guys p j media will be covering this right
3: yes, every day.
0: Are you in charge?
3: And oh, well, am I in charge? No, I, I. God bless America. I am taking in all of the different reports that I'm seeing come through, mm-hmm. and taking the best of everything and yeah. watching it myself, so that I, I just don't trust one person to. Follow everything in the trial. I think that people have their own things that they like to report on, and sometimes it's like you know, it's like footnotes in a legal brief. Those are the things that have the most interesting elements of surprise in them sometimes. And indeed, it is the offhanded remarks. It's a question asked by an attorney. It's a bizarre question, as I saw earlier in the afternoon uh, by a woman who thought that what Kyle Rittenhouse has gun was a machine gun. I mean, just sort of ignorant. And um, and it's, there's nothing wrong with that if you can learn that person up if you can school them up, but she was just afraid of guns and she needed to be honest about it and I think eventually she was like, oh. This seems so, like uh, a
0: case that um, that that this kid should win. I mean, uh, um, unless it's just so contaminated the the, the jury pool, and it, it, that that would be the only explanation, right? I mean, if uh, oh, sure. based on what you oh, your no, description this, of the of the it. videotape and everything.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much evidence showing that this was everything. You know, you think to yourself, good God. I mean, three times you're involved in a gun battle on a single night. That's insane. And the thing is, is that every single one of them was self-defense. So and, and he was in this crazy milieu. He had people literally chasing him. And after he shot the first guy who was going to kill him. That guy had just been let out of the loony bin earlier that day. I say loony bin. He said he was let out of jail. In, In reality, it was a mental lockup of some sort. And he, that guy was just stone cold weird. I mean, that guy is just a nut. And he was there asking people to shoot him all night. And apparently he ran after Kyle for whatever reason, hoping maybe, who knows, well, that he would shoot him. Well, Victoria, well, who I'm, a, knows?
0: I'm out of time okay. now, but I, I'm, I'm going to warn you right now. I'll be calling you back because <laughs> okay. uh, this is a very interesting case. And if you're available, I'd love to have you on again to update this as it goes along. I appreciate it.
4: Yep, you bet.
0: Okay, thank you. That's, uh, that's Victoria Taft of PJmedia.com. Check it out. Uh, check the story out there, and we'll be right back.
2: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Supreme Court justices have heard arguments in a case involving the controversial Texas abortion law. The arguments before the high court focused on whether abortion providers or the Justice Department can mount federal court challenges to the state law, which has ended most abortions in Texas. At different moments during the session, conservative justices sounded both supportive and skeptical of how the law was structured, which allows private citizens to enforce it. White House correspondent Greg Cluxton American Airlines still trying to dig out from under a blizzard of canceled flights over the last few days. By midday today, American had canceled more than 350 flights. It's the fourth straight day of major disruptions at American, which hopes to fix its operation by hiring more flight attendants, pilots, and reservation agents. On Wall Street, the Dow had 58 points. The NASDAQ is down one point. This is SRN News.
7: President Biden has declared war on the small business owners of America. In his first 100 days, he's pushed for a massive tax increase on small businesses. And his $2 trillion infrastructure plan is a $2 trillion tax hike on American employers. He also wants to make it harder for small business owners to keep their doors open by pushing a $15 minimum wage. And his Green New Deal will drive up energy prices on small business owners. One group is working hard to fight these attacks, the great folks at Job Creators Network. And they're looking for a few good men and women to join their small business advocacy and advisor program. They'll train you up, help you with op-eds in your local papers, and TV appearances on your local news stations. In short, their Cracker Jack team will prepare you to be a leader and a fighter for small businesses in your community, your state, and the country you love. If you own a business and want to join the fight, go to joinjcn.com now to learn more. They're looking for a few good men and women to join their growing army of small business leaders and advocates. Go to joinjcn.com now. They need you. America needs you.
2: Hugh Hewitt sees the president writing more checks. Uh, China just tested a hypersonic missile. What will you do to keep up with them militarily, and can you vow to protect Taiwan? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. We will defend Taiwan. Did you hear that? Gee. Now Joe Biden committed to doing it, and when Gramps commits to doing it, he's going to remember that. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9, on AM 1250. The answer. The United States has killed Osama bin Laden. Hours after that announcement, the White House leaked that it was SEAL Team 6 that carried out the operation. Al-Qaeda placed bounties on the heads of all Navy SEALs. Then just three months later, a U.S. Army helicopter carrying many from SEAL Team 6 and others.
1: Get out there. We have a fallen angel. Foreign angel. Roger
2: Fallen angel extortion one seven the story most americans don't know watch exclusively at salemnow.com indian motorcycle of pittsburgh invites you to claim your freedom hi this is dennis prager with demand at an all-time high and remaining supply going fast now is the time to lock in a new 2021 indian motorcycle at this year's prices before they're gone or stake your claim on a sleek new model year 22 and get first priority shipping when they launch visit pitcycles.com Today, Indian Motorcycle of Pittsburgh in Warrendale next to Jurgles. Always wear your helmet, never drink and ride. Any supplier can drop a box outside your door. But if you want a partner who delivers great customer service too, rely on Cintas. Your dedicated service reps can deliver what you need to help your business run smoothly. From essential cleaning products to hygienically cleaned apparel, fire protection services to first aid and safety supplies, that service you can't get from a box.
6: Oh, already!
2: Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. AM1250 and FM92.5, The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune-in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic, we've got the answer.
3: You're going to see delays on the Parkway East. Inbound County Jail to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Usual afternoon volume there. Outbound around a five-minute delay. Oakland up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Parkway West has been pretty decent all afternoon. Just a little delay inbound between Parkway Center Drive and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On the Parkway North inbound, just a little bit crowded in between 28 and the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
2: AM 1250. The answer. Weather. Weather. We'll see mostly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 38. Tomorrow, a morning shower in places otherwise mostly cloudy skies. It'll be the start of an extended period of chilly weather. We'll see a high tomorrow of 47. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies. There can be frost. We'll see a low of 30. Wednesday, partly sunny and chilly with a high of 46. With your back you weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer well it's november uh, and they're still playing
0: baseball that should tell you all you need to know about what a joke major league baseball has become oh they're not actually playing tonight but game six of the world series is tomorrow night i think i haven't watched one pitch of it uh and apparently not too many people care as chuck knoll said about one of his running backs a long time ago major league baseball has many problems and they are great uh, Stephen J.K. Walters writes for CityJournal.org, and he is here to talk about one of the biggest ones. He wrote about it today at City Journal. Steve, thanks for being here.
4: Thanks for having me, John. So,
0: um, did you watch the game last night? And if so, what time did you get to bed?
4: <laughs> uh, almost exactly midnight. It was a four-hour game. Uh, I was uh, awake for much of it. Uh, but I can't say uh, that's a that's a normal situation. Uh, you know, when they start at 8 p.m. and they go to midnight or so, uh, you're missing what is often the best part of the game. You know, as the tension is supposed to build through the innings and, and you know the high leverage situations, as they say, uh, become uh, more prominent. You're supposed to be more excited about what you're watching, and usually, what you are is asleep.
0: <laughs> so, are, are, would you call yourself a, a major baseball fan and a long time fan?
4: Oh yeah, I've been a fan since uh, the 1967 World Series between my Red Sox and the Cardinals. I've worked in baseball as a consultant. Um, I love the game. There are times, even though when I was working as a consultant, as I was watching the games, I would, I would literally leave the park thinking, even though they're paying me, they can't pay me enough to watch this. Uh, it, it sometimes just became too painful to, uh, to see these, you know, four and a half hour games. Where, you know the game that you loved in, in your youth has uh, changed uh, significantly over the years
0: when, when did you start finding yourself thinking that when you were leaving the ballpark I mean how <laughs> well, long ago was, I guess it was,
4: in, it was in combination with other other factors like bad weather and yeah, and, right. and so forth and, uh, but uh, you know the, the the article in the City journal was uh, inspired in part by the fact that the major League baseball is doing some I think wholesome experiments right now they they're, they're Playing around with some rules that might accelerate the pace of play. Uh, there was one quote in particular by the old ballplayer Raul Ibanez, who was watching one of the experiments out in the, uh, the low A, what used to be the California League, and uh, they have a 15-second pitch clock uh, in play there, or they had this year, and it, and it cut about 20 minutes off the average game time just by itself. And Ibanez noted that, gee, this this rolled back the hands of time to the 80s when I was, you know, when he was growing up, and he said it, it just Really improved the focus and the flow of the game, and it, it made just a much better product when everybody was paying close attention, when there weren't so many committee meetings, when there, you know, there's not batters stepping out every uh, between every pitch to tighten their batting gloves and and so on and paw the dirt. So that's what we really need to get back to. Baseball is a game of of focus and flow, and and uh, we we need to. Uh, encourage fans to just get back to the point where it it uh, it engages them more or less continuously, rather than invites them to either fall asleep or tune out.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, old enough. I, I go back farther than you do as a baseball fan. And and uh, I, as I told you in an email today, when we set the this uh, segment up, uh, I actually spent three years as a minor league baseball play by play announcer. I rode the buses in three different leagues for three consecutive seasons. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a baseball announcer, and I I don't have the words to describe how glad I am that I didn't do that. I ended up having a career covering sports and covering all the sports here in Pittsburgh for thirty years. And this show is not a sports show, but I I I I do incorporate sports into the show when I think it's about more than sports. So that's why I have you on here because I think this is more. This is a, this is also a cultural story. Uh, I hate to see a great game and a great institution and a great pastime like baseball going down the toilet, which is where it's headed
4: yeah it it's uh Pittsburgh is a great sports town, and I was looking at the attendance figures uh you know the the seven years ago when the when the pirates were in the playoffs uh they drew over two million two and a half million fans and it's a it's a morale issue for a city it it makes everybody feel better when teams are going well and when they have this this national pastime to to pay attention to it cheers everybody up it unites us and and so forth so i mean that's why i got involved in in working a little bit with the sport it wasn't just because of being a fan it was it can be important to uh, sort of the, the civic culture and and when you see you know last year the, the pirates drew less than 900,000 uh, that's that speaks a certain amount of demoralization people are are just discouraged with the product they're not happy about that, and I think that extends into, into some other things as well. You know, it just makes you not happy to be a, a Pittsburgher, um, or in my I'm calling for Baltimore, so it's you know we're not happy about the way uh, the Orioles are going, and, and it extends into other things.
0: The Orioles are actually worse than the Pirates. I, for anybody in Pittsburgh, that's, that's hard for anybody to imagine. I covered the the World Series in 1979. I was there, and I saw how crazy Baltimore was. And when you talk about, you know, the effect that it has on a city. And here's the thing about baseball, Steve, that I'm sure you're aware of. Um, What I loved about baseball was the everydayness of it. That, uh, you know, in football, I covered Super Bowls and I got so sick of listening to sound bites and doing stupid interviews for two weeks leading up to the game. You compare that to the World Series or a Stanley Cup playoff, uh, which, you know, a Stanley Cup run, which I covered a couple of. Uh, You have games every night or every other night. Um, baseball, if you have a really good team, it's, it's great for the city because everybody has that thing in common every single day. People are talking about it. Did you see the game last night? And that's, that's just completely disappeared when you have a team that stinks for most of the last 40 years.
4: It's gone. Right. That's exact, exactly. And, you know, the baseball has to clue into the fact that they are selling the, – the product here is competition – and when teams tank or when, when teams just say, well, we're going to be rebuilding for three or four or five years, uh, they are, in effect, telling fans that we're not going to compete. And, and that's just uh, that's a contradiction in terms. That's the product that you're selling. You have to try, and you have to every year go out there, try to put the best team you can on the field, not just five years from now, but this year, and, and that's what can be so demoralizing. It, you, you're not, you're not going to want to follow that slowly developing 162 game story if from game one onward, you know, well, this team really isn't in it this year. Everybody should try to be in it. Uh, that's why what one of the reasons I wrote that article is because the, the collective bargaining agreement is coming up for negotiation very shortly. This winter, we're going to be reading a lot about, you know, labor negotiations, which is again, not why we tend to follow sports, but, it's very important and you know in addition to improving the pace of play and I think MLB's working on that with some of these experiments in the minor leagues they really do have to work on this competitive balance issue so that teams say yes uh, it, it I need to get uh, players on the field who can make me respectable and we're going to go for that brass ring every year that's what fans want uh, you don't want to be so disengaged from from Contention on a on a year to year basis that you just sort of give up on the sport and become demoralized and say like you did earlier I'm not even going to bother watching the series this year because we're so far from that uh, you know what's the point
0: Yeah I'm I'll give you an idea of the kind of baseball fan I was um, and as a fan I also understood how to you know cover the game without being a fan but as a as a play by play announcer I was kind of a homer because I grew up listening to Bob Prince and you know that's what you did but um, if <laughs> the uh, when when uh, most people were watching Ma- March Madness in March, I was back. Uh, this was back many years ago when we when we had cable TV and one of the stations that they offered was WOR out of New York because they carried Mets games and that was a big deal. There was no ESPN or anything. I would be watching Dwight Gooden pitching an exhibition game for the Mets instead of watching March Madness. And now, Major League Baseball, my official stance is that Major League Baseball, until they get a salary cap, is dead to me. I I haven't seen a pitch this year, not one, live.
4: Well, I don't think it's realistic to hope for a salary cap. Uh, The union in in baseball is a lot stronger than the unions in in basketball and and football. But there are lots of things that you can do. Uh, You can talk about salary floors. You can talk about other formulas with revenue sharing that will get you fairly close to the effect of a salary cap, um, and, and that's the key thing. Every team has to have the proper incentives to say every, you know, going to those winter meetings in December, what can we do to, to get respectable and, and compress the, the variation in the standings from, you know, you had two teams winning uh, over 100 games in, in the, uh, you know the West this year, and you had a lot of other teams winning 50 or 60, and that's just too big a gap. So you need those, those teams in the smaller markets that are typically not uh, big spenders. You need to give them an incentive to, to try uh, on an annual basis. And you need to maybe uh, think about doing what the NBA did with lottery picks and so forth so that not everybody just thinks, well, we're, we're almost guaranteed a top uh, pick or a top three pick if, if we, if we lose. So we might as well. Um, I think that those are going to be some of the key considerations in this uh, collective bargaining. A round of talks. I, I, at least if MLB is serious about uh, solving some of these problems that have led to the, the steady decline in World Series ratings, yeah, they you really know, do have to close up that gap.
0: Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, and I don't know if it still exists, but um, I remember doing an interview with Kevin McClatchy back before one of the, uh, the labor agreements, you know, while it was going on before the settlement, and he said that we have it in our power in the National League. ...to prohibit visiting teams from televising their games out of our ballpark if we want to. That we control that. And he said we could uh, demand half the revenue from every telecast that we're involved in if we wanted to. And he, he actually told me that that's what they were hoping to do. And I think what happens, uh, Steve, is that um, they... What happened was the bigger market teams bought off the small market teams... By giving them just enough revenue revenue sharing to be um, profitable, but not nearly enough revenue sharing to be competitive for free agents, which is what makes you competitive. And so that was twenty years ago, and the Pirates have been in the toilet for every year since then, except for like two or three. So, uh, I, that, that, in other words, if you want to have revenue sharing, why don't why don't the Pirates say to the Yankees when they come here for an interleague game, "Hey, it's nice of you to come in. I know you guys are getting." You know, a, a a couple hundred million dollars a year for your TV contract. We're getting thirty. You're not televising the game unless we get half of what you're getting. But they won't do that. So that's why I have no sympathy for them. Right?
4: Yeah. the the, uh, the commissioner's job is not easy. Uh, there are a lot of those formulas that are uh, different from the NFL, sort of as a historical mistake. I mean, the NFL's money uh... is largely from a national tv contract a lot of the baseball teams get a lot of local money and because you know there are ten times as many new yorkers as there are people in the pittsburgh area you know those teams are going to have more local revenue what you've got to do is figure out a revenue sharing formula that actually incentivizes the smaller market teams to spend some of the revenue-sharing money and and so far that's been lacking
0: yeah and i (laughs) i I wouldn't spend a nickel of it because i i would uh, i can't win i can't compete for the players and I, I'm. If I'm the owner of the Pirates, and the fans are stupid enough to show up, I keep putting the games out there, and I keep making things up, and hoping that light we get, you know, catch lightning in a bottle every every 15 years, and maybe fool them into thinking we're a real major league team. That's pretty much what the Pirates have done. But um, why are the World Series telecasts, as you write in your piece, an inferior good? What does that mean?
4: Well. Uh uh, the old cliche is "time is money." So as uh, as the gains have gotten longer, and as, as as they take more of our valuable time to uh, to consume, what we find is that you know our incomes have been rising as well as the as the length of gains. And as, as income is a good uh, indicator of the value of our time. So it's an inferior good in the sense that you know it's kind of economics jargon. But it's an inferior good, not in the sense that it's a, it's a terrible or bad thing, but it's just that the way the income movements have, have affected demand, people have gotten wealthier. And they, they look at that high time cost of, of watching a game, four hours last night, instead of, you know, back when I was a kid, World Series games ended in less than two and a half. They look at the, at the value of their time to consume that, that four hour game and they just simply say, I I, I have better uses for my scarce and, and much more valuable time than I used to. And so I'm I'm away from baseball. Uh younger younger generations are turning to soccer. You know, those are still 90 minute uh, on the clock games with a halftime um, basketball. Football's kind of flirting with the problem. If you notice football telecasts these days it's gotten a little bit longer, largely because of uh, you know replays, um, you know uh, appeals, and and they're sticking more commercials into those telecasts. So football better be careful. They're headed in the same direction, but we're we're an increasingly affluent public, most of us, and when we get more affluent, we look much more closely at at our time value of of consuming a good. I think the, the you know what I used in the article was a, an analogy of. You know, Walmart prices, you know, those low everyday prices are attractive. But if you had to wait online an hour to check out, you'd say, well, they're really not attractive prices, are they? Um, and that's where we are with some sports attractions. We, we, we're we just not willing to pay the time cost of consuming the good. And so we're turning away.
0: We're talking to Steve Walters. He writes for City Journal. Uh, we have a couple minutes left here, Steve. Uh, as you point out in your piece, it's amazing. In 1978, 56% of the people who were watching television – We're watching the World Series when it was on, and last year it was 12%. If that's not dying a slow death, I don't know what is.
4: Right, and it used to be a unifying experience. Like you say, I mean, people would show up not just during the World Series, but it would water-cooler conversation the next day. You had something to talk about uh, uh, in the national pastime. You you could actually, uh, you know uh get an affinity for certain players and you can follow certain players. Uh now there's a lot more turnover. So uh you know it's the old Seinfeld quote, you're you're kind of rooting for the laundry because uh the the players that you develop affection for might not be with you next year. I think that's probably Tampa's problem. Tampa's had excellent teams for several years now. They can't draw. And I think part of the problem is they're just a little bit too relentless about Jeez, these guys are getting expensive we better get rid of them and and fans are a little bit uh, cautious about developing that affection or that affinity even for a very good team if you break their hearts by trading their favorite player or letting them depart in free agency and so forth so so baseball has some re-engineering work to do I think the good news is they they see that I you know part of the uh the, Reason I wrote that article was because I, I wanted to summarize some of the experiments that the sport has undertaken in the in the minors, and they really are trying to reengineer the product in a wholesome way. Uh, what remains to be seen is whether the union will allow them to change some of the rules, like a pitch clock and and you know controls on whether the batter can step out between every pitch and so forth. Um, they, the, the union and the management really have to put their heads together this this uh, winter and figure out a way to turn this uh, around. The trend is is very, very troubling in terms of the total audience, as you said. And until and unless they engineer a better product, I think that trend is going to continue. And, and that would be a, a kind of a bad thing for the civic culture and, and for the national pastime.
0: Steve, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you coming on. Great piece at City Journal. Stephen Walters, thank you. Thank you, John. Okay, we'll be right back. Uh, Mynicotinetest.com We've been telling telling you about it here If you uh, smoke Or even if you don't just smoke It could be for vaping, smokeless, and chewing tobacco It works for that too Uh, This is a way to quit your tobacco habit if you are interested in doing that or if you know someone who uh, someone else who is, you've got to tell them about MyNicotineTest.com. Uh, you know, when you want to check your weight, you step on a scale. The My Nicotine Test measures nicotine levels using urine test strips, and that's how they monitor your progress. And you're not expected to quit right away. They do it based on the, the chemistry, They're based on your personal chemistry. That's how they come up with a program for you specifically. And uh, MyNicotineTest.com can stop smoking without the cravings. It's not cold turkey, uh, and you 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 quit when you're ready to quit. If you have questions, call my nicotine test at one eight hundred four five S M O K E. That's one eight hundred four five S M O K E. Leave a message if all tobacco counselors are busy; they'll get back to you. If you're not a smoker, order a gift card for your loved one. That's MyNicotineTest.com.
6: Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000.
0: You all have helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. And Mike has an amazing offer from my listeners on his standard my pillows. You'll receive a standard my pillow, regularly sixty-nine ninety-eight, only nineteen ninety-eight now, and you also will receive deep discounts on all my pillow products, such as my pillow towels, mattress topper, my slippers, and so much more. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square to receive Mike's standard my pillow for just nineteen ninety eight or call eight 800- hundred and use promo code STAG. MyPillow is made in the USA, comes with a 10-year warranty, so you know it's going to last, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you know you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want, but need. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800 716 Eight zero eight seven, and use promo code STAG to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his standard MyPillow. That's MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call 800-716-8087.
2: This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer.
0: Ran a little long on that last segment, so I'm out of time. But I want to tell you about tomorrow at 535, I have Peter Navarro, former assistant to President Trump. You can't get any more inside than Peter Navarro uh, is or was. He will be on here tomorrow at 535. He's written a book called In Trump Time, a Journal of America's Plague Year. So make sure you tune in to check that out tomorrow uh and on wednesday by the way i also have someone from uh the babylon b to come on here to talk about how they put their stuff together make sure you check that out um but i'm, I'm lo- really looking forward to having peter navarro i want one one real quick thing uh baseball stinks because it stinks for the kids they don't know how to teach them how to play anymore one of these days i'll talk to you about that and we'll look into that see you tomorrow